This is Flint, and you're listening to Bravo Team. Welcome to Bravo Team, our second G.I. Joe show looking at all the secondary G.I. Joe material. I am your host, Aaron Moss, codenamed Brotherhead. On this show, I'll either be by myself or have other guest hosts joining me looking at all the G.I. Joe material out there. We'll be covering things like the toys, the Action Force comic, the European Missions comic, the movies, G.I. Joe Renegades, or anything else that is not G.I. Joe, a real American hero comic, or the 80s cartoon. Come, join us on our mission to stop Cobra from taking over the world. Yo, Joe. So, welcome to Bravo Team. I am your host, Aaron Brotherhead Moss. And joining me, I have my somewhat usual crew of reprobates. Starting off next to me on my screen here, we've got Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist or guy. Oh, man, I have been holding my breath. Good, good. Under the water the whole time. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me, man. Glad to have you. Glad to have you on here. And also joining us, we have Brad, After School Special Missions, Abraham. Thanks for having me on, Aaron. uh, You know, I was expecting you to kick me off again before I had a chance to say thank you, but thank you. Oh, I I want to get the thanks out of the way because that's something for me. Now I'm going to kick you off. You do not know me yet. (laughs) I don't have gratitude and, you know, the the things that come towards me. But, you know, once we get beyond that, I'm done. So this is Bravo Team. Normally I cover whatever I feel like talking about on this show, uh, starting for the next, I guess, two years. No, four years. Good God. Because um, this was a bi-month. We're going to be back up a second. We're going to start covering special missions on this show. Uh, special missions was a 28-issue series from G.I. Joe that was bi-monthly. So we're going to handle this bi-monthly. So every other month of Bravo Team, we'll have a special missions. Um, I was going to have a, a regular co-host, but he's not so regular right now. Uh, David Finn from over on the uh, the Signal podcast is going to join me, but he's not here. So we're going to go on without him. And if he shows up, he joins us. Otherwise, it's these two guys, the drawer guy and Zartan haters, Serentor hater, whatever, twins hater, these whatever. Guys. These, guys. <laughs> these, these guys. guys. These guys. No, no, I, I love talking to these two guys. These guys are great. Usually. No. Uh, sorry. Anyways, so we're going to look at special missions. This is the first issue of special missions. It came out. Let me see. The cover date was October of 1986. The on sale date was June the 24th of 1986. Cover price was 75 cents. The title of this, co- this issue is called That Sinking Feeling. Written by Larry Hama. Artist was Herb Trimpe. Or Trimpe. Uh, letterer Philip Hugh Felix. Colorist Bob. Shrin, and the pencil was done by, was done by, does anyone know? It's about the cover? Yeah, the cover credits. And I've got that, I've got two different versions of that. At film. I can always throw it if Jared's not with me, but I love hearing it live. Uh, and <laughs> the editor on this was Bob Harris. And this was reprinted in G.I. Joe Special Missions Trade Paperback. And I'm assuming maybe, Jared, correct me if I'm wrong, it was probably in the complete collection. Yes, it's in the IDW Complete Collection. It's also in my custom hardbound two-volume set of the entire run. Very uh, nice. Is this the this is the fanciness portion of the show, or should I? No, no go uh, ahead. We'll do the fancy portion. I'm so fancy. 
Okay, yeah. So I got some. Da, 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 da. Oh, and on the inside, a little sign by John Beatty and Larry Hama. Yeah. So oh, you know, very nice. The fanciness just keeps on coming. And sorry, which version of the complete collection was this in? This is in volume five of volume the complete five. collection from IDW. Um, so looks nice in here too. It's got a real nice recolor, and uh, it's slightly bigger. I noticed than oh. like my fanciness. Uh, so it's just a, it's a little bit. Uh, more uh, visually appealing. I mean, unless you like that old school feel, you like the old school feel, you got to go. I love with that it. old school feel. Yeah, I mean, so the pluses and minuses either way. So, is it after issue fifty-one in the book, or where does it come in the book? I believe. Let's take a look here. Uh, yeah, it's after fifty-one. It, it's okay. sandwiched between fifty-one and fifty-two. Good. So yeah. So so every other month we'll be covering instead of my usual insanity, we'll cover this insanity. We'll cover special missions. Yeah, I got thinking the other day. Well, it's only twenty-eight issues. Two years, wait a minute, it's every other month. So actually it's like four years. Wow. I, I can't confirm this for sure, but I got it from our, our friend of the show over on Joe Joe Chronicles, Jim Meal, who's just super smart on Joe. He told me it starts every other month, but eventually goes monthly. That's why I was wondering if it went. I didn't I didn't again I didn't do the research to see if it I'm went. I'm not gonna question Jim, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> no, <I'm not> <laughs> but, uh, that's probably correct. So it's probably like just spitballing here, like three and a half years or something like that. Three, three. So it three ran nine. from '86 through '89. There you go. About three years. Um, oh, okay. So it looks like issue twelve. It started going monthly. Ah, look at you with the quick knowledge. So the first year, and thank you, Mike's Amazing World dot com. <laughs> so yeah, it looks like the first year was by it was bi monthly, and then they changed it to a monthly schedule. So for the first what two years, I guess we'll be covering this every other episode, and then. At some point, Bravo Team will turn into just to a special missions for the next year or so. So let's go ahead and get further into the book. So um, let's go and look at the cover first, and then we'll do the synopsis. So the cover of this one, we have Torpedo and Wetsuit hanging off the side of a ship, guns firing, G.I. Joe, the real, a real American hero, special missions. We get Duke in the top corner box. Below that, it's got a, a circle saying first issue in a new series. The missions we couldn't talk about until now. Dun, dun, dun. So let's get some thoughts on the cover. Since you're holding it up, Brad. So what are your thoughts on the cover of Special Missions? And hey, look, it looks like that would be, you got some sort of uh, stain I, or something on the top of that. I one. got some stains. I, I did not even remember getting it signed <laughs> by Larry Hama and Herb Trimpey at the New York Comic Con in 2010. I know I had got them to sign my copy of issue two because it's hanging on the wall in another part of the house. But as I was digging through the long boxes to find uh, my cop where I was keeping my special missions comics, I pulled this out and I looked in and I went, oh, looks like Harry Larry Hama signed it. And then I looked in the upper corner. I said, oh, Herb Trippy signed it too. Okay. So, Aaron, thank you for having me on this episode because otherwise I wouldn't have even known I had it signed. <laughs> I and, approve of that fanciness, by the way. That's you know, Jared Fancy approved. Yeah. It, and, you know, I mean... I completely forgot. And, and in my excuse, I am old, which is no excuse, but it's the one I tend to fall back on with alarming frequency these days. But uh, I'll just say it's a great Beatty Zek cover, obviously. They all are. And I like having wetsuit and torpedo front and center when they really only showed up sort of semi-fleetingly in the Real American Hero book. And I think that's a bit of a statement about what this comic is going to be, that these are the missions that they couldn't talk about until now, as the cover boldly claims. And I think if you are a fan of the comics, but particularly the toys, 
getting to see a favorite action figure that may not necessarily have been one of the main one of the main characters, the A tier as we call them, seeing them get some page time uh, in leading roles was always a pleasure because what I find interesting about the cover uh, for this issue in particular is that it's not the usual suspect. It's not Snake Eyes or Hawk or Duke or Scarlet or Stalker or even Flint and Lady J. It's Torpedo and it's Wetsuit. And unless you were a really dyed-in-the-wool G.I. Joe fan, you might not know who they were off the top of just, just looking at them and say, oh, okay, it's, it's a G.I. Joe comic. But it, it, I think it also kind of sort of points to what the series is going to be about, which is sort of smaller-scale missions, having the Joes using their actual military specialty in combat or in covert ops. This is kind of like the book that we were all waiting for back then, because as crazy and fantastical the comic gets, right around this point in its history, right around 85, 86, it starts getting a little more out there, having this book to kind of be a bit of a fallback for those older stories that feel more torn from the first, you know, 10, 20 issues of the book. So... I think it's a great cover. I think it says a lot without saying a lot, if that makes any kind of sense. Well, it makes perfect sense. Of course, coming from me, I don't know if it makes sense. But anyways, <laughs> you know, those very good points. And yeah, that, that's a good point that, yeah, you, you don't get one of your your normal Joes you would expect to see on the cover of a, especially a first issue. You get Torpedo and Wetsuit, who are, you know, Wetsuit's a relatively new Joe, and Torpedo's been around, but yeah, they, they don't get a lot of love. So it's it's... And also, yes, but at this point, G.I. Joe, the regular title, was getting a lot of new characters, had a, a, a large cast of characters where special missions, Larry could focus in on just a small handful of Joes. And for the most part, they're all standalone stories. For the most part, there's a couple, uh, one that I know in particular, but I think there's a couple that ties out the main book. But Jared, thoughts on the cover of Special Missions, number one. I've got thoughts. This is a very, very, very cool cover. What a great way to kick it off, right? So echo what Brad said. You get a little more limelight on Joes that don't get a lot of limelight. The cover may be a, a slightly more fantastical retelling of what happens in the book, but it's very symbolic of the aquatic mission that's going to happen in the book. So they focused on the aquatic heroes, which I really like. Artistically, one of my very favorite things about it is how they play with the title of the book, G.I. Joe Special Missions, they use that to their benefit to give it a 2.5D effect. You have wetsuit slightly in front of the title. Then you have their ropes that go behind the word missions, but in front of G.I. Joe and Special. So it gives it a really neat uh, 2.5D effect uh, from an artistic point of view. I think that's just really, really cool. Uh, I also like the way they really leaned into Special Missions. It's big and bold on the cover. They still have the G.I. Joe logo up there, which I think is really smart. I just feel like these days, if they were doing a book like this, G.I. Joe would still be very big and special missions would be small, like almost trying to trick you into this. But here they're beating the drum loudly, like they're very excited to have this second title. And I think Larry is. And I think Larry is is uh, really looking forward to doing some more. Uh, uh, I was about to say adult, but maybe just a little more grown up, a little more edgy storytelling. Uh, I'm sure you guys covered in issue 50. Uh, which uh, unfortunately I was not able to be a part of. But I mean, that one already showed you, you know, a little more grittiness. We had the dude dying of cancer. We had the flight attendant who got shot in the head and dropped out of a plane. Like, they really, it was messed up, man. <laughs> it, basically, I think Larry was like, hey, I'm going to go a little bit more grown up on it. Not that he ever really shied away from, from, from that in the comics, because he does a lot of Vietnam stuff and whatnot. 
but I think Larry just really gets to spread his wings a little bit more. And what a great way to capture that on the cover. The cover itself is 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 gritty and action packed, and there's a it, it it has just this this grit energy. And I even feel like it's a slightly callback, whether intentionally or not, to the silent interlude issue of 21 with snake eyes dangling from the rope and, and shooting the gun. So I, f- I feel like that the, it, there's a slight connection there as well. So I said a lot to say that this is darn near Beatty Zek perfection. This is a wonderful, wonderful cover. Hi, I didn't really pick up on the snake eyes uh, issue 21 connection before. Now that you mentioned, yeah, now I can't unsee it. I what Pat thinks about that. Anyway, <laughs> we'll never know. We will <laughs> never know. I'm working on the, the, the lawyers, you know, and then appropriate touching and all that. I, you know. <laughs> It'll all get worked out. <laughs> but anyways, but no, there, there were some good points. Very good, both of you guys. Um, and yeah, I wonder, because yeah, like you said, at this point, G.I. Joe, the regular title, they've introduced their Pentor, and they're bringing in a little bit more of the more, a little more fantastic ideas of G.I. Joe. And we all know Larry is a, a military man himself. He, he likes the military angle. So I'm wondering if maybe this, this special missions title was a, Maybe like a thanks or a, uh, oh, here you go, Larry. Since you're working on this other crap we know you don't care as much for, here's how you can do more of your, you know, what you want to do with. But no, like you guys have both covered. It's a great title. Yeah, I love the way the rope goes in between the special missions, as Jared mentioned. As Brad mentioned, yeah, we, we get two characters that you wouldn't normally see front and center, especially, like I said, on a first issue. Yeah, this is just a great cover. Um, you guys have handled you know, the coloring on it. It was fantastic. Uh, the gunfire coming from both our Joes and from who were shooting at them. It's fantastic. I, I love the first issue in the new series bubble on there. As I mentioned, that splash at the bottom, the, little, the missions we couldn't talk about until now. So fantastic. Let's get some ratings on this. This is a one to five Yojo Cola. One means it's horrible. I might use it to line the bottom of my birdcage. Uh, three's average. And five is this is something about blowing up and hanging on my wall. So, Brad. So, Brad, one to five Yojo Colas. How many Colas do you give this? Five. I'm going to give this five. I actually am I am legitimately going to hang this one up on my wall because it's signed. <laughs> I didn't realize it was signed. And really, as long as we're covering special missions on Bravo Team, I'm going to be really boring with my praise of the covers because I, I love Herb Trimpey. Herb Trimpey is my favorite comic book artist of all time, him and Al Williamson. So if it's a Trimpey cover, it's automatically a five. <laughs> Very nice. And Jared, uh, we already know what you're going to give it. No, Jared, go ahead and surprise us. One to you five, you two colas. Are you going to give it five or five and a half? I'll go ahead and give it five and a half if I can. Uh, <laughs> I just noticed, too, as, as we were talking, the, the coloring job on the on the the ship that they're, they're repelling down or climbing up, whatever the case may be. They even remembered, like, on ships, how there's discoloration at the waterline. Oh. And they, they included that in the coloring. So that, that's just extra impressive. Anyways, it's a it's a five, maximum five for me, Aaron. What about you, bud? And I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a two. It's a horrible, no, I'm joking. Yeah, no, this this is a, definitely a five cover. Uh, anything else is just ridiculous. This is a great cover, like we've talked about. It's just, yeah, the coloring's fantastic. Just everything about that. You, the, you got the clouds and the birds in the background and the, the choppy water. You can see where uh, wetsuit's coming up out of the water, and we see his feet coming up out of the water, and the water kind of splashing behind it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like you really see if he was climbing up out of the water. It just, 
as Jared always says, it's Zach and Beatty. Beatty, Beatty, Zach, Beck, Beatty, Beatty, Zach, Zach, Beatty, Beatty, Zach, Zach, Beatty, 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 Zach, 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 Mike, Mike, Zach, Zach. Yeah. I mean, I realize I misspoke and I just credited Trimpy for the cover when it is Zach and Beatty. But the funny thing is, the way Wetsuit is drawn, it looks like a bit like uh, like how Herb Trimpy draws him and how he draws a lot of his his characters. They they have that very sort of square jawed, you know, hard, hard lines kind of look to them. Right. So, so I apologize, to Mr. Zek and Bates, because they're so good too. So yes, no. all three great artists, fantastic. So real, this is gonna be a quick synopsis for this one: the Joes face off against Cobra and the return of the October Guard to retrieve a sunken American sub. Until the real reason is discovered, the Joes are helping a Russian naval captain defect to America. And I give it a quick summary because, again, it's if you look at it from, you know, the thousand yard just, you know, angle, it's not a lot going on, but there's a lot going on in here. So, but yeah, the basic premise of the story is, yeah, they're there to, everyone thinks they're there to, to rescue an American sub that sunk when actually they're actually there to, to help a captain from the uh, Russian Navy defect to America because America and, uh, and I'm going to go first to my thoughts. I'm just going to do a few thoughts and leave everything else for you guys. This is, if I'm not mistaken, the first appearance of Polly in the comic. As we, all, as we all know, other than Timber and uh, Freedom showed up, I think, once. Larry wasn't, didn't appear to be a big fan of the animal sidekicks. So I'm sad that uh, Kevin couldn't join us today. Now, we, San Diego Con's this weekend from when we're recording. And he's down there doing his cosplaying and... But I know he's a big fan of Shipwreck and Polly. So he has he has been in the chat on the live stream though. So very nice. He's good to see you oh. over there in the chat, my friend. And I forgot to hit the uh comments to see. So real quick, before I go any further, uh yes, we do have some some comments from the chat. Uh looks like Kevin has joined us. Hey Kevin, glad you could be join us at least, if not in person. Um, at least in the chat. Kevin says, Hey guys, have a good show. Cobra and the Larry Hama, never heard of him. Special mission, yeah, baby. Make sure Brad doesn't fold his comic cover. And, uh, ooh, I'm Brad, minus sign. I'm so special. Those are Kevin's comments from the chat. Thank you very much, Kevin. Glad you could join us, at least in the chat. Oh, and sorry, I forgot to go to the chat. special missions, after all. We're all special here. <laughs> yes, yes. A couple other comments I have. Um, I do like that the Russians apparently have a book on the various Joes, though it doesn't look like the Order of Battle. Which we'll be talking about at some point in the near future. <laughs> I've, I I agree with that, man, because the first thing I thought when I saw that panel was like, these days they'd have like an iPad or a tablet and they'd be scrolling right. pictures. He has like a literal binder <laughs> full of photographs that he's flipping through. <laughs> um, and on page seven, I think it was, uh, the issue I was looking at, it didn't have a number on that page. I like that the, the ship has a little warning on there. Uh, there was a warning about, let me pull that back up real quick. On the ship, it's oh, the grounded cable only. A little warning to let you know what you plug in there. I, I do like the, the detail to that. I expect that would be there in real life. If we had someone on our show that knows about military, I'm sure he could let us know that, yes, things like that do show up. But, you know, <laughs> they, they really do. <laughs> and I do like that the colonel references their last appearance over in the G.I. Joe yearbook number two, which we covered here on Bravo Team back in episode 18. And my last comment I'm going to make on this is that I love at the end when the captain's monologuing as the Joes come and pick him up and he's sitting there going, you know, <laughs> told well, his life story. Yeah. <laughs> well, my wife was very devoted and, duh, 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 and you, you basically screwed her over to the hell with you. And duh, duh, duh. And so I'm, 
the hell with you guys. I'm going to America. Is the Joe's pick him up and take? I just love that that monologue as he's being rescued. It gets even better if you imagine that the Joe's made a mistake and missed him on first pass. <laughs> Because then he just kind of has to stand there and stare, and everybody stares back at him, and he stares. Very awkward. <laughs> I mean, very awkward. And that's why if you're going to make a big dramatic speech like that, make sure things go off without a hitch. Otherwise, yeah, that could have been a little embarrassing. <laughs> I'm going to America. And-, and make sure they can hear you, too, because if yeah. you're on the deck of your ship, you know, diesel engine, you know, you know, noisy. You're on the ocean and noise and everything. They're probably standing there. He's monologuing. They're like, I can't hear what he's saying. <laughs> And a seagull screeching overhead. C-130's inbound behind them. We can't hear you. <laughs> I've, seen that, I've seen that either in a movie or a comic or something where someone, you know, someone's monologuing like that. And people are on the other side, like okay. in the car, whatever it was, like, what? I can't, what's he say? I can't hear him. Well, there is, there is a very funny joke in Blazing Saddles, but I'm not going to repeat it here. <laughs> Gabby Johnson on the roof. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. The sheriff <laughs> is near. He's near. In fact, I, I may have to. I may. I don't know. Now, Roz, I may put that in as I'm editing this. But anyways, <laughs> moving on. Uh, Jared, do you have before I get in trouble with the FCC and and, and very conservative fans and anyone and very liberal fans and anyone else that may be upset with my my jokes? I, I tend to upset both sides because that's who I am. Uh, Jared, thoughts on special missions number one? Save me, please. <laughs> no, nobody can save you. Man. True, you do. You do have a magical ability to piss off everybody. I've seen your social media, anyways. <laughs> I try. Uh, man, I got to tell you, I read this last night because I actually did read it for once. I just want that's the mo- step one. I read it. Yeah, that's a start. Um, I got a, just to plug over on G.I. Joe Chronicles, we're we are actually starting our G.I. Joe special missions coverage as well. Where's our timing on that wasn't great, but if you want to listen to basically the same things twice, just listen to Aaron's show and our show. So anyway, it gave me a good reason to read it. I have Jared on here because you know, he's out. <laughs> well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all the cool stuff that you guys say here and then bring it over to my show. There you go. No, but I, So there's a really good reason to read it because I'm about to be covering it soon. You're covering it now. Um, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to read this. And as I'm reading it, I realized, I was like, you know what? I had this as a kid, but I hadn't read it since I was a kid. I couldn't remember like exactly what was happening. So here's the really fun part, guys. This whole reveal that there was no submarine at the bottom was like a reveal to me. I was like, what? <laughs> it was like I was reading it for the first time. Same here. I haven't read this in <laughs> 30 years or whatever it's been. And yeah, so yeah, I'm reading this too. And I'm like, Okay, <laughs> I forgot about that. It was so cool to be kind of surprised by it. It reminded me of like in the early 2000s, I was watching Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho with my wife, and she did not know what the twist was. And she was like, what? When the twist was revealed, I was like, <laughs> how did you not know that? <laughs> but anyways, it was it, it, I was envious of her because she was experiencing that sensation. And I got to do that with this. I was like, man, I did not see that coming. So, yeah, that was that was super cool. I really like how there's so many puzzle pieces here. Like as I was reading, I was like, oh, cool. The October guard. And I was like, oh, Cobra's here as well. And I got, you know, basically Cobra to the north of them and October guard to the south of them. What's, you know, they're all trying to figure out what's going on. And and it's really cool. The whole switcheroo that the Joe's bowl, like everybody thinks it's one thing, but it's another. And I also remember this sort of being ripped from the headlines, quote unquote, 
this was a few years later, but I want to say it was about 81. It's actually in the, if you have the IDW complete collection, they have the little factoids at the end. It's in there somewhere. It's too lazy to reread it. So somewhere around 1981, there was an actual Soviet submarine that accidentally ran aground. And they think it's because the crew was intoxicated uh, off the coast of Sweden. And it was a big international incident. And I think they even referenced it a little bit in the story. I think I remember hearing about that now that you, now that you bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> and I just like, there's just, it, it's just like, I'm so excited. I can't get my words out. It just, it's so 80s. It's so wonderfully 80s. It's G.I. Joe of the 80s. It's referencing these 80s things. You've got the guy giving his monologue about how, you know, he's, he can't be a hardliner anymore. It's just, it's all so very 80s. And, and you throw in Cobra and the October Guard, Joe pulling the switcheroo. And then just a little bit of my my personal uh, uh, experience. I used to work at the Army Aviation Museum on Fort Rucker when I was in high school. Now, in high school, I was much smaller than I am now, Aaron. <laughs> and we had a hind. And let me tell you something. Cramming yourself into that hind. I was like 160 pounds, and I could barely cram myself in there. I'm like, how did they fit that book? full of all those pictures in there with them. <laughs> that, that colonel's got to be like the smallest guy. Like, no joke. Like, the, the Soviet pilots had to be very small because, whoo, that sucker was was cramped. And real uh, quick, it's on page eight. Uh, we were talking about the, the Swedes are still upset about our sub. They're kind of ground in their There world. you go. There you, I thought it was referenced. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was. So that was cool. Oh, and one other thing, since we just did uh, over on Jagio Chronicles, finished the, our coverage of the first run of Devil's Due. They did one through 43. It was neat to see this as well, because as time goes on into the Devil's Due continuity from the from the early 2000s, Dana becomes a Joe. So it was neat to see that and be like, oh, I, I just recently read some books with Dana and, and she's on the Joe squad. So very nice. There's a lot of neat tie ins for me in this one. And just it, it was a very exciting read. And I felt very happy and satisfied when I finished it. It is really quite the nostalgic time capsule. Good, good. Glad to hear that. And uh, there you are, Brad, Mr. After School Specials himself. Thoughts on Special Missions number one. Oh, boy. You know, I could talk for hours about this book, but I won't. Um, well, feel free. I got my drink here. Go ahead and I'll sit back. Oh, okay. Well, you know, <laughs> I think Special Missions came along at a time when I was starting to diverge a bit from the mainline book. Uh, not that it wasn't still a fun read and not that I didn't stick with it for some time to come, but and I think we longtime comic book collectors can relate that sometimes you'll stick with a book more to loyalty, um, same as any sports team or a musician. You have oh, a history yeah. with them and, you know, you have there's that sunken cost fallacy. It's what's kept me from collecting several books well past what was their best before date because I knew the book would be coming to an end at some point because it was one of those ones that they said they had a definite conclusion. And I found one of the completion for no other reason. And I'm not going to name names of good decorum, but it but it was The Walking Dead. <laughs> uh, but, we'll get there in a decade or so. But yeah, I, I was at, at some point, point in G.I. Joe, I got to that point where I wasn't as enjoying it as much in like the 120s or so. And I couldn't tell you what happened in those issues because I thought I dropped it. I got looking at my collection. I still have a bunch of them. So I was still buying them. I just don't remember what was going on. I just, you'd, you'd, you'd buy it. I don't think it was anything you know, against the books. It's just, I think you right. get to a certain point where I, I, and I've said this before, I think I've read and reread the first 50 issues of GI Joe, maybe the first 55 or so issues of GI Joe to the point where I can, you know, say, okay, first issue was this one. First, second issue was that third issue was that 
But after a certain point, it's like I, I get it. I would read it. And I would say, okay, that continues the story. Great. And I'd bag it and I'd stick it in a box. And I wouldn't really go back to it again. So in the case of Special Missions, though, uh, what was really great about just reading this first issue again was I. this is sort of the same thing. I, I read it, read it a whole bunch of times when it came out, put it in the box, and I hadn't really looked at it since. I think I looked at it maybe once somewhere between when it first came out and this podcast, just as a as a as a time I was going through just rereading GI Joe comments, which actually led me to this podcast as a listener first. So, um, but that's it's been a while there. But uh, you know, I just think it it's such a much more grounded storytelling, and it really feels like what GI Joe might have been in the main line if it hadn't become this huge cross media hit that necessitated new characters being introduced every year and new new toys and new vehicles and everything and it makes you really wonder what the idea behind special missions was if it was a marvel idea or larry pitching it to them because at the time gi joe the comic was really big sort of mid 80s it was one of marvel's big sellers and i think it was one of those ones that was so successful it kind of helped keep the company in the black uh for a lot of those those years so i mean why why not do another right i mean i think the biggest of surprises there weren't more spin-offs based yeah. on and I would just say, whoever among you has a direct line to Larry, just maybe just ask him. Say, was it was it your idea or was it someone else's idea? Because we're curious. If I would have recorded this a couple of days sooner, I know someone that's actually down in San Diego right now at the comic convention, and I know Larry Hama's down there also. Well, if Kevin's down there, I can get off yeah. his butt and go down there and. and so, Kevin, if you if you're still listening to us, uh, if you happen to run into Larry again, I don't know if Larry's still around. I know he was there doing signings like Friday. If you happen to run into Larry today, by any chance, I don't know if he's still around. He probably ran away, but maybe or, tell, you know, ask him. Or if somebody on in the headcast community yeah. knows an answer, you know, put it out there because we're all we don't know. We're kind of curious about it. I, I personally kind of like to think of this as like a Larry pet project, though, where he could just tell one-off stories because you know I feel like, especially having the the Red Red October, sorry, Hunt for Red October aspect of it. I was trying to say October Guard, but because it kind of feels a bit more grounded. You got that Tom Clancy feel to it uh, that he did in The Hunt for October, which, to my recollection, was written and came out around the same time as this sort of mid-'80s G.I. Joe period. So I'm sure he read it, at least, or was at least aware of it, because um, it feels like one of those off-the-books missions you know went down in real life but were classified, so you couldn't actually hear about them or read about them or talk about them until many years later when they were declassified. And also, you know, looking at the October Guard here uh, showing up, because as I recall, they end up in a lot of special mission stories down the road, which makes me think Larry may have had some of these ideas rattling around in his mind after their debut, because it was some time before they showed up again, even in the mainline title. And even then, it wasn't until the second yearbook, which came out, I think, in 85, like late 85. So right around the same time as this, it's, it's kind of curious if and how the reception to that yearbook story kind of led to special missions like if people were going hmm we'd like to see more stuff like this because with larry you know you got to figure you're running a mainline book you got characters to introduce you got storylines to 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 write and develop and you're having all these other ideas popping into your head and you can't put them into the mainline because there's no room for them so you just kind of you know you probably have a little file folder somewhere to kind of do with that stuff so uh but i mean overall i just think you know it's a great story the skirmishes between the october guard and cobra and the Joe's sort of running interference and winning the day, as Hawk says, in the best way without firing a shot. And again, it's kind of reminiscent of uh, the second yearbook and Cobra versus the October Guard with the Joe's swooping in and stealing the 
missile, like the laser gun or whatever, back from them at the very end. So it sort of sets the tone for what the special missions comic is going to be. And to my recollection, it really kind of adhered to that, that these were more grounded stories. Um, they weren't necessarily the conventional Joe versus Cobra ones that Cobra often did not show up in them at all. So, which was kind of a nice, a nice break from the standard uh, storytelling of the main book. And to answer your question real quick, uh, the yearbook number two came out. The release date was uh, December of '85, so it came out six months before this issue. Mm, yeah, that tracks. So it was just six months ago when that came out. So, and real quick, Kevin, yeah, Kevin's confirmed that yeah, Larry was signed on Thursday and Friday at the Hasbro booth down there at Comic Con. So he's he's probably home by now. Uh, any other thoughts on this, Brad? Oh, I have other thoughts. I was going to let you tell us some of yours because I've been rambling a bit. No, and I enjoy, I enjoy listening to you guys ramble. I enjoy having you guys on. It's, it makes me have to talk less. Uh, and you guys come across more intelligent than I do, so definitely ramble. <laughs> but yeah, no, like I, I said, I, I wonder if maybe this was a uh, vanity project maybe they gave Larry to make up for having to deal with, you know, Serpentor. And I still want to know how he got away without doing Cobra Law, but uh, <laughs> and a lot more of the fantastical elements that he, Larry had to introduce in the comic itself. So I'm, I'm, sh- I'm wondering if they're like, here, Larry, Go to town with this one. And like, like I said earlier, these are mostly standalone issues. I know I think it was issue seven or issue eight. I forget which number it was offhand. It was a crossover with the main title, which I love that storyline, but we'll get to that in a year or two down the road here. But yeah, no, this special missions, it was a great issue. It was a great start to a, a great series. You know, we covered one of the issues over on the Crusademus a couple years ago over on some long box crusade network thing. It sounds made up. Long box crusade. Yes, it, it is. Oh, who, never mind. Um, anyway, and for Kevin, uh, we get the Baroness in the water. Uh, <laughs> can't neglect that. But yeah, and I do like, yeah, I was saying Jared said that, you know, we, we get all of our underwater or water based uh, Joe's in this. We get deep six and the shark. We have wetsuit torpedo. We have, shipwreck like i said paulie shows up for the first time in this book uh and i, I wonder about that because like we talked about larry's not a, doesn't appear to be a fan of the animal companion so i wonder why he decided to include paulie in this other than just maybe i wonder if it was a hasbro says you should need to include paulie somewhere or if it was just maybe fans were asking for paulie it makes me wonder his thought process sometimes <laughs> Yeah, we don't get much shipwreck in here other than you know, he's cooking and he tells you know he tells them that you know dinners are you know the food's ready and they get Polly popping off as Polly does. But yeah, like I say it was it was a great fake out that Destro finally uncovers and he you know Destro gets up monologues first and he's all what you fools were you know we're being tricked you know that you guys are actually the video of the sub was actually was a pre-recorded image or whatever and you were watching that instead. That's not the Joe's, well, the, the Joe's here for. And, and that's when the captain gets up and I'm the reason. Oh. <laughs> Let me tell you a tale. <laughs> <laughs> so I do like, like Jared said, it's been so long as I read this issue. That, yeah, that, that came, whole, whole ending came as a shock to me. I remember the cover because I see the cover all the time. But yeah, I haven't read the story. So yeah, the whole fake out and uh, the captain. Because yeah, when they showed the captain in the f- first part of the book, I didn't realize that he was the reason they were there. So, yeah, I just was completely surprised. And like Jared said, that's a good feeling when you can come back to a book you love and you can get surprised again, you know, 30, 40, 40 years later, whatever it's been, 
uh, I'm not going to do math this morning, but I think it's probably almost 40 years later, 35 years later. It's just great being able to get that surprise of like when you first read it. So, and yeah, special missions in general was just a great run. As always, there's probably, there was probably a bad issue or two in there. I don't remember any offhand. Uh, and there were some fantastic, wonderful issues. And this is just yeah, a great start to a great series. So, um, but yeah, I'm sorry, David couldn't join us, our friend from Australia. But then again, it's like six in the morning for him. So he probably overslept, which I don't blame him. <laughs> I'm usually hung over at six o'clock Saturday morning. That's another story entirely. Um, <laughs> but this has been special missions. Number one, Jared, any other thoughts on this? issue or anything in general about special mission you want to mention before you leave for the day oh absolutely man i just want to talk about the art real quick i Go know ahead. brad or brad already mentioned uh herb trimpy and i'm with you on that brad like herb trimpy is an artist who i think went underappreciated when i was younger because mm-hmm. i was really getting into comics in the mid to late 80s and especially in those late 80s you know it was todd yeah. mcfarlane and eric larson and and and, and these these real like I, don't, I call them like production artists, like guys who are just out there getting it done, knocking out a book, being consistent and still having a, a cool style got overlooked. And I think Herb Trimpey's a production guy. And it was just so cool to see him back on Joe, like launching Joe. I mean, Joe originally got launched with Herb and Larry. So it, it feels so right. And Herb's gotten even better at this stuff since he did issue one, like his art's even better now. Oh yeah. And, and, and the demands on him of not only having to draw all these, different characters a lot of characters but vehicles and real military equipment like the hind the ship the 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 boats the c-130 he had to draw all those things and he just it, it did an amazing job at it and so i definitely wanted to highlight the art real quick in the book and i'm sure brad doesn't have anything to add to that <laughs> but like you were saying yeah this was the time when the image artists they become as they became later known they started to come to rise and yeah, the art, it had some beautiful artwork, don't get me wrong. But yeah, it was, their artwork was a different creature than these production, as you call them, artists, as a Herb Trimpy and all these other guys that, you know, they they, they don't get the praises sung to them. Yeah, when, well, you know, you mentioned Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, all them others, and people, oh yeah, I know, yeah, they're the best artists of the time, da, da, da. Yeah, they did some good art, don't get me wrong, but... Herb Trippy could draw feet. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're amazing, amazing artists. And I think they really excel at character models, especially. Yes. They, they really do. But when you sit down with a guy and he has to draw four or five different military vehicles, aquatic vehicles, air vehicles, you know, that's what impresses me now as, a, as I'm an older guy, as an older man. Like this, <laughs> this badass splash, splash page that McFarlane drew of Spawn, it's incredible. But you want to impress me? Put an F-16 and a hind and a damn boat, and a tank in there. Now I'm impressed. That didn't even <laughs> draw everything. But yeah, page 21, I was just looking real quick, page 21, where they, they picked the captain up off the boat with that, that aircraft, uh, whatever it is. I mean, I'm not an aircraft guy, so I don't know which one. Is that the C-130? C-130. It's a C-130. It is yeah, indeed rolling down the strip. Yeah, just the, just the detail they have on the ship, is the, the plane as it comes flying by and, and grabbing them and the captain, as he gets yanked off, it looks like his hat gets thrown off. I mean, they, they, he, Herb didn't have to draw that in there, the hat being knocked off. That's no. just extra detail that it adds energy. Part. Yes. It, it's just like you were talking about on the cover. The cover's amazing, but you add that just that dripping of water off of the fin adds yes. energy. 
that's what these production guys did. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, very, very much so. Um, any other thoughts, Brad? Oh, I have thoughts. I have many thoughts. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's special missions. It's Hama and Trimby together again. And that's, they're like, to me, they're like the, the Lennon and McCartney or the, the Jagger and Richards of this comic. They're, they're the ones that when they're on, you know, they're, they're like chocolate and peanut butter. Two great tastes, but they go even better together. Uh, yes. For, now I'm uh, just hungry. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, talking about Trimpy, I mean, adding to kind of what Jared said is in maybe in film terms, filmic terms, is, uh, you know, if you're a fan of Michael Mann, uh, director of Heat and Last of the Mohicans and The Insider and Thief, uh, he's one of those filmmakers who has a very distinct style, and his style is almost not having a style. It's just the way he places his camera and the way he he blocks actors and composes a shot. He's not he doesn't have the camera on some drone swooping in and out of out of buildings like a Michael Bay, and he's not overdoing all these explosions and having the camera going into the barrel of the gun and everything. This very hyperkinetic you know, Todd McFarlane-esque kind of approach. You know, it's very grounded. It's very meat and potatoes. And I feel that Trimpy and that generation of, of what Jared would call kind of production artists, that, that's where their strength really was, was just in being able to tell a story in a way where you can, you know, look at the pages and be able to figure out what's going on without actually having to read what's going on. And you're not so much admiring, oh, I like the way that the web's, the web is coming out of Spidey's little uh, web shooter and stuff like that. It's got this neat little twirly thing. It's like, I'm mean, not focusing so much on the art as you're on the storytelling. And Trimpy was a great, great storyteller, great visual storyteller, and one who does not get nearly enough uh, credit. But that's something that will hopefully change with the Bravo team uh, coverage of special missions as we go through it. Because yes. to my recollection, because actually Trimpy illustrates every issue of special missions. If I'm not oh, mistaken. wow. I did not know that. Yeah, so it's like a whole... Cool. And the great thing about it is, as an old school fan, I will say, you know, to people who are listening, if you're a G.I. Joe fan and you have not read Special Missions or you have not read it in a long time, you're both in for a treat and you're missing out. Because I am nowhere near as familiar with Special Missions as I am with the main book. And I mentioned this earlier on, but this is like 100% G.I. Joe for those early fans, like the ones who either got into it early like with the first issue or have a, a specific, you know, love and fondness for that first 20 or so issues uh, before the stories became a little more fantastical. And it feels kind of like you could and you could read G.I. Joe issues 1 through 19, maybe through 20, and then 21 you could pick up Special Missions number 1 and feel like you didn't miss a beat, with the exception of some characters who get introduced uh, further down the road in the mainline comic. But uh, you could pick this one up and say, okay, so it's Wetsuit and a new Joe or sorry, it's Torpedo and a new joke called Wetsuit and another one called Deep Six. But you could kind of segue into it. It feels like you haven't really missed a beat. Uh, you know, and I'm going to say it's because it's more grounded in reality. There's no Zartan or Mindbender or Serpentor, at least in this issue. I mean, maybe they show up later on again. It's been a while since I've read them. But there are Torpedo and Wetsuit and you'll have characters like Dusty and Outback and Ace and Slipstream. Those 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 B tier Joes who were so cool, and when you get to see them in action in these fields of expertise, it's even better. But one thing I would like to add just towards the end is that it's kind of interesting to look at special missions and note that what some might kind of perceive as a weakness is actually its strength. We've talked about its strengths, and some people may say, "Well, 
it's good, but it doesn't reinvent the wheel. It doesn't give us that bold, fresh, reimagined G.I. Joe stuff. It's just kind of as a side, like a side title to the main book. And I would argue that is actually what makes it such a great book and makes some great stories. It knows what it is. It knows what it's trying to tell and what, who it's trying to satisfy, which is just to give the reader, the G.I. Joe fan, the type of storytelling that made them really get into the book uh, in the first place. And I just think especially today, there's always been this renewed constant push to have to say, well, you need a big hook. You need a twist. And you got to be postmodern. You got to grab people. And this isn't that type of book. And that's what I love about it. And if you like books like this, like special missions, I think, uh, you know, picking them up and uh, reading along with us is uh, a good use of your time. I agree, Brad. <laughs> Aaron is on mute. Aaron's and, you on know, mute. since he's on mute, I'll take this opportunity okay. to say, even with the newer stuff, like the IDW stuff that they, they did later on, there's, there's, there's these almost like these special missions like miniseries. I read one that focused on Chuckles and I read mm-hmm. one that focused on, uh, uh it was Snake Eyes. Uh, he was doing Snake Eyesy things. And it just, and I, I enjoy those more so than I enjoy the main storyline because it just, it feels like special missions is a title that could go on forever. Yes. You can just be like, you know, I want to tell a cool story that features, you know, Dusty and barbecue, you know, <laughs> and, and put it like, it's, it's almost like, um, You'll like this reference, Aaron. I, you know, I'm a huge Quantum Leap fan like you. It, yeah. There's so much opportunity there. There's, it, it could go on forever. Yes, yes. I, and I, I, don't, I wish it would. <laughs> yeah, I know that's one good thing about the special missions is that, yeah, it, it's, like I say, except for the occasional issue, yeah, it each is its own standalone story. You could do a two-part if you wanted to. You, and it, it focuses on individual members instead of having to focus or worry about the entire team of, you know, a hundred Joes or whatever it is at this point. And, and it, because of that, it adds so much to the yes. main story because now you get a peek at that, who that character really is and, and, and a little more about them. And I could go on. It's a great idea. Perfectly executed. <laughs> and we're going to find out in about, well, I think it was issue seven. I mentioned earlier, the uh, tie in with the main story we get an extra little story that they don't really have time to focus on during the main story. You special missions. And uh, real quick reason for my quiet, I was quiet earlier. I was talking to Dave, Dave woke up late as I figured and joined it, wanted to join us. So real quick, Dave Finn's join us. Hey Dave, welcome to the show. Glad you could Hello. join us. My apologies. I was asleep uh, three minutes ago. Facebook. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm sorry, man. We're just like we still do. I'm like I've been taught Jared and Brad show. We've been doing it. But if you want to come on over and get some thoughts, definitely show up. So, as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, hopefully my my semi regular co host on this show will be told your special missions, Dave Finn. He's over on the Signal podcast. Um, he wanted to join in and talk about some special missions. So. We'll take it before I get there, though, real quick. Uh, follow what I was looking into while Jared was talking because I tried to ignore Jared, or maybe it was when Brad was talking. I ignore both. But uh, Perb Trimpy looks like he did all but three issues of this. Two issues had was fill in by Dave Cochran, and then there was a th- and this is like later down the run, uh, like 22 and 24 fill in issues by Dave Cochran, and then 27, the second to last issue, was Javier Sonteras. But other than that, yeah. Herb did this entire run, and as we're talking about, Herb was busy at this time because not only was he doing this book, but we also had like the as we talked about the Order of Battle, the versus Transformers. He did a lot of work on that other stuff too. So at this point in Bravo team, I think we'll be covering a lot of 
I see the other Joe titles out at the time because I say Special Missions, or I'm sorry, uh, Order of Battle and Versus Transformers was out around the same time period. So we talked earlier about, you know, how this was a secondary title and we were surprised they didn't get more titles. Well, actually, around this time, yeah, they did have a couple of other miniseries. So, yeah, this this was a great time to be a Joe fan. So, oh, real yeah. cool. Dave. Well, well, firstly, can I just say what a uh, – imagine having Dave Cockbrum as just your as your backup guy. It's a bad team. You yeah, I was just thinking that Dave same Cockrum. thing. Yeah, like, well, <laughs> I read this last night in the um, – I've been meaning to read this for a long time. I've, not, I've never read this. And I like the lead-up. I don't know if you covered the, the sort of, like, in the trade, it has the the sort of prequel storyline. Oh, we we'll the- covered that on issue fifty of the the main show, right? Well, yes, at first, no. I, I really enjoyed that story. Yes. Just, just to kick things off, just just to kind of give you a placeholder. Yeah, uh, like I knew the reputation of this title. In that, like, it's kind of like Larry's given a lot more free hand as it goes on because, like, it's um. You know, it's not just to sell toys, although I do see plenty of toy etic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 I love the Cobra fangs, those things. Yes. They're pretty cool. Have you got any of those ones, Aaron? I'm sure you've got a couple of fangs yeah. on, the, on the shelf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And good to see my old friend Baroness being so center stage in this <laughs> issue. She's what my favorite. I, I loved it. And I was confused by what, when, when, um, what's his name? Is it horror something? A the horror show? Horror show. When he gets down there and he sees the VCR, he goes, huh? I was also <laughs> like, huh? <laughs> and then, oh, yeah, the, um, the recording device, yes, so the, the playback. The, reco- the recording device. And it was all to get the, um, the, the captain guy, who I love the way he gave a full monologue before he calls <laughs> off, like straight <laughs> off the... Ship, I was like, I was like, wow, and like, that can be quite bracing. I'm like, yeah, I bet it could. It could also kill you. Um, and I, I, I really enjoyed this whole entire issue. And I thought, what a neat touch it was at the end when the Russians actually just booted Baroness off the, off the <laughs> boat. Yeah, we didn't even comment on that part. Yeah, we, we did mention about the monologue, but uh, yeah, we didn't even yeah. mention about the British yeah being killed. Yeah, we, we can't shoot him. We'll send him yeah, back. But there's isn't. nothing graceful about it. <laughs> yeah, and they just kick off. I mean, I, I just think I've not read this. I, my, my reading of the actual regular Joe title is is just a little bit beyond issue fifty. I think I was on recently on your show, Aaron. For yeah. for, for I've read probably one or two more than that. But no, I um I, I I just think what a strong issue, and it just shows you how how um huge GI Joe was at the time. Oh yeah, the comics and stuff, and obviously Larry knows exactly what he's doing. That's no surprise, and just. Really nice artwork, and um, I think I was used to the artwork in the regular title by this time. Those those artists, which is quite different from this art, Herb Trimpe is a different style, but again, just a real excellent, you know, draftsman, and um, yeah, great, basically. Uh, you know, I think to to launch a title, what a strong first issue. Oh yeah, very much. Yeah, we all seem agreed on that. And just real quick, uh, the cover, uh, we all oh, gave it ratings on a one to five. Yojo Cola. Again, one being horrible, five being something you want to blow up and hang on your wall as a poster, as Brad may be doing. I'm just um, trying to um, – okay, <laughs> cover. Okay, look at it. Uh, let me have a look. It's good. That? Yeah, it's it's very good. It's very striking. Yeah, I mean, it's a strong it's a strong first issue. Three and a half. I, oh. I'm not as in love with this cover as – I mean, it is a cool cover. It's very striking. I've seen better covers. 
as Jared gives you the Robert De Niro face. <laughs> I, now, here's a good question, though, because, you know, Brad and I and you, too, Aaron, kind of fell all over ourselves about it. We loved it. We gave it a five. Right. We pointed out all these wonderful things about it. The question is, Dave, did you did you grow up with this cover or is this relatively new? To no, you? no, not at all. No, no, no. Uh, see, so, I think we found the difference. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Personally, uh, you know, I'm Australian, so, you know, I, just, I wasn't quite as... Uh, as you know, you know what I mean. They didn't quite pipe in the brainwashing quite as hard, <laughs> <laughs> but but we still got it. no. Um, no, I'm not familiar with the uh, GI Joe comics at all until recently. I love them. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love them, and I and I like this cover. It's a cool cover. Look, you know what? You know, yo Joe, I'm going to upgrade to a four. Like far be it from me to drag scores down. Like when it comes to Joe. No, no, that's fine. I, I think it's. I think it's interesting though that just sort of. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with like when it hit us. It hit us all in that special sure. kid zone, and yeah. We also wonder how much of it is a cultural thing, also, because as Dave said, he's he's from a colony of criminals. I mean, he's from Australia. So. Yeah, no, we're we're proud of becoming criminals. And again, trying to get more people, more people to hate me. So uh, <laughs> you've been given a gift, man. I imagine if Mel Gibson was on the cover, it would have got a five. <laughs> or, or of Hugh Jackman, I mean, I'd probably give you a <laughs> Well, again, this this was in the eighties. If anything, it would have been Paul Hogan. Exactly. Is that a knife? Yeah. Or Jacko. Yeah, <laughs> except Jacko. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Haven't thought of him in a while. Wow. Uh, yeah, it would be that'd be fun. No, it's a good cover. Um, and one thing I will say about it that uh, I re- I do like about this cover is how uh, direct it is. It's it's like just two guys, you know, blazing away with what I assume are submachine guns, and it's it's I, I do like the missions we couldn't talk about until now like it's a good cover in in terms of i can imagine a reader sorry you know a, you know a kid a, a, at the at the comic store or on the newsstand seeing this cover if they were buying gi joe already they would definitely buy this cover so it definitely succeeds as a good advertisement just pick up the issue which is you know key oh yeah definitely um well we got all final thoughts on this so uh, anything else you want to say about it, Dave? Before we we move on and finish the show off, yeah, I'm giving the um the the the, the actual issue high. I'm giving the actual issue at least at least a four out of five. Can I just okay. do a quick aside? Sure, have, feel free. Have you? Because I don't jump on very often, and you know why I slept in because I was w- watching the GI Joe classified panel before at from Hasbro <laughs> before I went to bed, <laughs> so I wasn't GI Joe active duty. And can know. I just can I just say, um, God bless these people who record the panels because yeah. I don't understand why why Hasbro aren't doing that. You know, like I I don't understand why that isn't an official thing. Why is some guy you know recording the, the panel? I don't know like, if you listen to any of the Bravo team episodes I record let out before, but I, I tend to ask myself that a lot about Hasbro. Why does Hasbro do, why does Hasbro do this? Why doesn't Hasbro do this? I, I tend to ask myself that quite a bit. Well, if, if, if some, you know, in fa- let's face it, if whatever this guy's name was, articulated figures or something like that, his name was, and God bless him, he he does it beautifully, and I really enjoyed the panel. I did make the comment. I'm going to keep this PG, Aaron. I mentioned to you just before the show. It, it, it it's going on and on and on. They're setting up like you know the guys watching. This is a chick. 
in it for like three minutes with her ass in her jeans, like just occupying center stage for like a good three minutes. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, is this deliberately? The guy's got it perfectly set up. And but I was excited. I just wanted to get your input, guys, because I I do love classified. I, I made a note, uh, the Crimson, sorry, I've only just broken up, the Crimson, um, what do you call them? It's like Baroness and the Twins all in Crimson, Crimson right. Strike Team or something. I thought that was a must-buy. And there was like, there was a couple of really good ones, and I just I just thought, you know, I love the classified line, and I think they're going, doing some, some great things, and the people in the panel were getting very excited. It was Retro oh. Duke and Retro Scarlet. The, 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 for me, they're absolute mm-hmm. must-buys. Yeah. Yeah, I did see they they are they had did mention who was a buzzer and ripper from the dreadnoughts. Those are yeah, the other two. Types. Thank you, Aaron. Yes, because I've got um, Zartan mm-hmm. and I want to build out my whole dreadnoughts collection. So I've got Zartan, those... I've got so, so yeah, I'm waiting waiting for the rest of the dreadnoughts and Xandar. If they do him, people tend to forget about Xandar. So uh. <laughs> are you going to buy the whole lot, Aaron? Are you is that what uh, you want? no, not the whole lot, just the ones that speak to me. Like I said, I'm not going to get the. the repainted red ones. I'm not going to get those. Oh, you're not? Um, oh, no. They no, look no. great. I thought they looked great. Well, they look beautiful. It's just at this point, it's it's what really so appeals to me. It's mainly the nostalgic fills mm. at this point. Um, if they were cheaper, if I had more uh, sure. spending money, extra money, I would definitely buy more of them. But yeah, I'm mainly looking for, like I say, the Trouble Bubble, I wore two of those. Oh, yeah. Uh, just because it's Trouble Bubbles and I'm well, I told you, I want to put my Marvel Legends in some of the Trouble Bubbles. Yes. And I want to put my some Marvel Legends on Baroness's, Baroness's motorcycle. Um, well, like I said, he, I don't know the size of the Marvel Legends, but the speedball that came out for Marvel. Yes. Uh, he does fit. I pit him on the ram with, with Breaker. Yeah. Well, so, he fits, surely, because Baroness's, is that Baroness's cycle? No, it's so, the ram. It's the ram, it's yeah. The ram. Because Baroness's cycle looks sort of similar size. But yeah, they're they're all about the same size, so... Mm, well, exciting times. You know what I really want? And guys, you, you'll probably laugh, but what I really want is that uh, Desert Snake Eyes, the Desert Commando Snake Eyes, <laughs> when that comes out. I want that thing so fucking badly. Like. <laughs> yeah, so I've got, I got, I've got like two or three Snake Eyes. I'm done Snake Eyes unless they do something that really grabs me, but... You, you know what you should have? You should have a life-size Snake Eyes just in the background, just oh, like standing behind you. Well, if you want to go ahead and get one, send me one. I'd, t- I'd definitely appreciate it. <laughs> just a life-size one, standing guard, looking directly into the camera. Yeah, I've got, anyway, th- th- that's something I thought. So I'm glad I got up so I could at least share these insights with the yeah, rest. Yes, I'm glad you're able to join us. Yeah, so hopefully we'll, be, we'll get you on more uh, for these Yeah, episodes. I'd love to come on. I'd love to come I on. Say for, as I, I was saying it was entirely bi-monthly, but I think it was Brad pointed out for the first year it's bi-monthly, and then after that I switched to a uh, monthly title. So... We so that means it came out tw- uh, once every two months, yeah? Yes, every once every other month. Okay. Every other month they came out. Which surprises me. Year. I thought they would have spammed it like pretty quickly because it was so popular. Yeah, again, I don't know why. Jared, your thoughts? Uh, my only guess is that one of two things. You know, Larry was pretty busy and he probably didn't want to write two books a month, but he could probably do one and a half. <laughs> the most polite way to say this is, you know, Trimpy was not getting younger. You know, so yeah, um, pretty but awesome. as we discussed, yeah. as we discussed, um, after issue twelve, it goes monthly. So they they decided they had the the the, the get go for it. I think they're probably just being a little tentative at first, going, "Okay, we we can't mess up the main book." Like it, and once they proved that they could do that, that this is my theory, my conjecture. I think it's a good theory because it, it, 
it could have also, like Jared said, this may have been, you know, if you put two books out, two Joe books out at the same time, writing the same month, it might, it might overdo it a little more. Whereas I would, I remember still at this point reading the main book, but, uh, you know, every two months when a new special missions came out, I was almost became more excited for that than I did for the, for the main book. Well, and also, as I mentioned earlier, around this time, there was also, uh, Herb was working on Spitfire. He worked on, yeah, G.I. Joe and the Transformers. Which guy he was doing Spitfire. <laughs> Spitfire and the Troubleshooters, he did some of that. He did this uh, G.I. Joe and the Transformers miniseries, which came out at this same time. We covered that re- just recently on um, Signal. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll be covering here soon at some point. But uh, good. yeah, good. so that may be why maybe they, they wanted to give Herb, you know, a chance to work on it. So, yeah, for the first, you know, few issues, he was doing other books. After issue nine, there was the yearbook. And then there was, uh, after issue 11, he did something called The Draft for Marvel. And then other than The Incredible Hulk 355, an Iron Man issue, yeah, he was he was just working exclusively on this. And, and how, how many issues did you say? Did you say 25 in total? 28. And Herb drew all the and this era, what, what what year are we talking? Is it like 87? Nope, it came out in 1986. This was uh, on sale June the 24th of 1986. So this would have been the absolute sort of peak period, wouldn't it, for G.I. Joe yes. in the comics and TV? Yeah. The yeah. And, and this, yeah, the movie came out right after this, and this is when this yeah, is right. – uh, I said, well, because I it gets. This is basically because I recall I had a friend who was a G.I. Joe fanatic. <laughs> and in fairness, just a complete army. He literally joined the um, SAS in Australia, which is like the thing. He was like, you know, some people are just born to it. Kind of right. Thing. Um, and I remember he, he was a big G.I. Joe. That's actually how I knew anything about it at all, because it really didn't have the penetration here that it had in the States. Right. In the- As I say, yeah, Jared, and I know Chad is also credited to G.I. Joe for his, his wanting to join the military. <laughs> My older brother, Jason. And Jason, yeah. So, <laughs> I, I just, I've heard several people say that G.I. Joe got them and want to join the military. I've looked at the military. That doesn't surprise me at all. When I read these stories, I'm like, oh my God, we got to beat out these, you know, like, <laughs> get, get rid of this cobra. Somebody's uh, got to take care of these commies. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I loved in the in the lead up story where they're like, why would anyone want to hijack a plane and go to Russia? They've got nothing to offer. <laughs> Damn commies. <laughs> yeah, so it is very much in that time period where, you know, it yeah. was us versus them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very much. Yeah, the America versus Russia, and Russia's you know. I, I love what, it. It's it's yeah. good stuff. Yeah, I didn't Rocky Rocky Four come out around this time yeah. frame? That you know, so I won the Cold War on that one. Yeah. We all know that. Yeah, so again, it, this <laughs> was yeah, very much in that time period of you know, Russia's the enemy. Uh, not they ever not the enemy. But, I mean, so, well, I mean, actually, I should point out there is a movie bit that both Rocky Four and Rambo: First Blood Part Two both came out in nineteen eighty five. So. Yeah. Stallone defeated communism twice that year. Sure did. Yeah, sure yeah. did. And can I just say, two of the greatest films ever. <laughs> <laughs> I saw those in cinema. Let me Hell I yeah. Love yeah. I love those movies. I'm not going to say you're right, but you're right. <laughs> yeah. What, what, movie, a, what, yeah. A, what a double pack that was. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So it, was yeah. A special time. it was a special time to be alive. I'm glad I was there for it. Oh yeah, like Jared, Jared earlier said this. This came out at the right time. They just, you know, the, very much centered in that time. So I do think it was clever 
for G.I. Joe, uh, whoever, you know, decided it to make Cobra the main enemy, like normally, rather than, yeah. I know they fight the Russians, I know that there's like the October Guard, etc., but to make Cobra an independent entity that's just flat out evil, to make that a, a main focus enemy, I think was really clever because it allowed them to sort of go beyond just America v. Russia. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, um, I, I completely agree. And I always thought it was fascinating that, like, when the October Guard shows up, they're an enemy, but they're, like, a well-respected... Yes. Yeah. Like, like the Joes don't hate them. They hate no. Cobra. They don't hate the they October They hate Guard. Cobra. If they see the Baroness, <laughs> they're trying to kill her straight away. Kind of thing. Whereas- yeah, October Guard is the enemy, but... There. And I think Larry did too, because yeah, even as a kid, I was like, "Yeah, these guys are the Russians, but they're kind of the cool, they're the GI Joe Russians, so they're kind of yeah. cool." You know, they have a sense of honor and they have a sense of discipline. I would say, yeah, they're the honorable Russians. Yeah, just like yeah, it'd upset be interesting, of people. Interesting to get. Well, you know, to quote Sting, uh, the Russians have children too. You know, yeah, um, absolutely. You, you know, like it's important to remember we're dealing with human beings uh, in this yes. kind of Cold War state. Even now, when we're demonizing Russia because of the Ukraine and stuff, at the end of the day, that that's the actions of a fairly crazy leader pushing people around. You know, yeah. It's not all that. Not everyone. One hundred. They're not all like I know. I know many decent Russian people. Like you know, many. You know, you know, not yeah. many, but like let's say ten or twenty, you know, that I know in my life, <laughs> and like I don't know that many. But what I'm trying to say is, like, I I think that was clever, and obviously Larry knows what he's doing. It's not his first time writing a comic book, so oh yeah. Well, Aaron uh, or Brad, help me out here because I I remember watching the Netflix series of the Creation of Joe, and it was one of the Marvel guys, and for some reason I think it was Carmine Infantino, but I might have made that up. It was one of the guys at Marvel because Hasbro brought to him was like. Check out this new toy line. And, and he was the guy who said, well, who do they fight? Because it was all jokes. They yeah, had no villains. Yeah. Yeah. Well, originally, yeah. That's when they invented Cobra. Hear, that's funny. From what I hear, originally, G.I. Joe was an idea Larry had for uh, Nick Fury Jr. And Marvel didn't want to use it. And Hasbro came to G, uh, came to Marvel and said, hey, we will make these new toys. We want a comic to go along. With, you know, we want someone to work on it. And the story is that it went through a lot of different people. Everyone said no. It finally came to Larry, and Larry said he'd even write Barbie at that point just to get something written. So he agreed to write it using left, I guess, old plans he had for Nick Fury Jr. And yeah, like yeah, Jared said, I forget who it was now, but yeah, they were talking about well, who's he gonna fight? Mm. Again, it was based on Nick Fury Jr. They were gonna fight Hydra, so someone came with the idea of Cobra. <laughs> yeah, Hasbro had like the whole toy line ready, and then they realized there was the Marvel guys that were like, you don't have any bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so they hadn't even created like Baroness and stuff. No, no. In the first run of toys, it's only two Cobra soldiers, one officer, one enlisted, and Cobra Commander himself, and that's it. Those are the and, wow. and there's only three of them because they were like a late ad. They were like, wasn't Cobra Commander a Melloway figure the first one? At first, yeah, yeah. yeah. So right. is that is that in part why? I mean, Baroness is introduced in the very first issue of the comic, but her action figure didn't show up until right. About two years, two years later, like it was, and they do the thing where her look yeah. changes. They take her for surgery, and they kind of give her some some to, to match. Yeah. I assume the figure, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Her, her uniform was different in the first nineteen issues. Was that sort of that blue with the gold sort of shoulder? Yeah, and she was in. Yeah, yeah. the tank got or his tank got blown up, and yeah, yeah. Major Switzerland. 
I think Baroness is one of the greatest characters in comics. She's just so unabashedly evil, and it's just it's just hard not to like that about her. You know, she's just so sort of like devoted to just evil things. Uh, rarely, if ever, I don't want to see Baroness humanized and softened and stuff. I like it just how she is. Well, you may not like around the nineties, if I'm not mistaken, that they try to humanize her a little bit more and give her more of a. Uh, they go into her backstory a little bit. Yeah, I look. I, I don't mind them rounding it out we'll a bit. There, I, hopefully, but... I am kind of fascinated by her. I think she's cool. You know, right? Oh yeah, very, very, very in the same league as uh, I take us to a whole new podcast here. Though, but I'm a huge Tomb Raider fan. Very much like, especially those first six, seven games of Laura Croft. It's just, just, just badass girl that does what she wants. You know, I don't need yeah. any more backstory than that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I think it's proof you can have a great, great character. And you don't need to give her too much because she's so good at what she's doing in the yep. present moment and, and, and so sort of distinct. And we're not sitting there thinking, man, we need to hear about Baroness's, I assume, you know, childhood <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And I do like some of the more modern comics. Um, they did a storyline uh, about how she had like a mentor who she ends up killing. It's in her origins that like, I want to say Mark Andretti wrote. Um, it's in the IDW run and she's a mentor who brings her in and she's from a really rich family, but she hates them. And she, and she ends up breaking into prison to kill him in the end, because for her, the cause is bigger than, you know, her personal feelings. Kind of thing. She's just an evil bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, very much so. So, Again, this has been special missions number one. I'm glad you guys could join me for this. I'm glad you could show up, Dave. If anyone wants to hear more from you guys, uh, Brad, if someone wants to hear more about your your hatred, I mean, if you're after school specialness, where can they go to? Uh, they can go to bradabraham.com. That's where I do most of my hanging out and a lot of my writing. I have a new short story there called The Summer Kids, which I'm quite proud of. And you can read it right now and maybe drop me a line. Let me know what you think. And Jared. If people want to hear more from you, where can they go? Oh, they're interested in my podcast and check out the Long Box Crusade on any of your podcatchers or over on YouTube. Uh, we cover some G.I. Joe content with our show G.I. Joe Chronicles and lots of other stuff as well on different shows under the umbrella. So check that out. If you're interested in me personally or my artwork, check out at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, or Facebook, and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my artwares directly at www.theyardsaleartist.com. And yeah, I love your art. It's some fantastic work there, man. Thank you, sir. And uh, yeah, if you guys want to hear a different take on special missions coming soon over on the Long Box, or maybe the same take, <laughs> or maybe maybe the same take. <laughs> a, a very take similar take. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> Pat takes and whoever else shows up on their show. So it'll probably be you a couple of times, Aaron. So prepare yourself. <laughs> you know, I get hold of it. I'll probably be ready for it. So. <laughs> And Dave, if people want to hear more from you, where can they go? Well, they could have found me in bed half an hour ago, but um, yeah. Uh, single, <laughs> single Damn it, I missed my window. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, single of Doom, my weekly show that, that I do with my friend Rich. Um, yeah, we're on all the podcast uh, networks and stuff. If you just type in Signal of Doom, we're there. We've got a couple of spin-off shows, Dread or Dead, a Judge Red show, which I do semi-regularly with my with my pal Adam, who's from... Then Ohio in the States, and we also do Legion Outpost, which actually is one of our most popular shows, which is based on the Legion of Superheroes, and that's, again, me and Adam do that. We try to do one a month, 
but the weekly show is Signal of Doom. Jared, I was going to say, have you been drawing something while we've been recording? I know sometimes you do that. Or- no, I didn't do it on this one because I know Aaron keeps the Bravo show a little bit shorter. So I was like, yeah, I won't do it because I don't have, have enough time. So I will draw on the regular show, but on the Bravos, okay. I'll probably just show up and run my mouth. <laughs> okay. Sorry to put you on the spot there because I, I must admit, I'm, I was in admiration the last time we recorded and you drew something. And I was like, man, if only I had some sort of skill, you know. <laughs> no, I appreciate talking. it. I really appreciate that. Yeah, Jared sits out the shows and starts, you know, with an hour, hour and a half, whatever. He's got something, you know, fabulous drawn. Meanwhile, I Wait, take a week. It almost like something a kindergarten would do. Yeah, exactly. So. I could, I could have weeks, and I'd come with something that's barely a stick figure. And you're like, thanks, Dave. You know, thank you very much for that. I, I draw a Baroness, and it's like, is this Baroness? I'm like, can't you tell by the cleavage? <laughs> <laughs> And for me, you can check me out over on the Headcast Network. It's headcastnetwork.com. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash groups slash G.I. Joe. I've also got facebook.com slash groups slash Headcast Network for my main show. I've got a million different shows anywhere from uh, – actually, Voyagers is wrapping up here in the next couple of months, I think. Uh, we've been covering the Voyagers TV show from 1982, a time travel show. Uh, we've got Quantum, uh, the Starbright Project looks at Quantum Leap, as me and Jared mentioned earlier. That one there is going through some changes. Originally, it started out me and the wife covering the series you know, episode by episode. Me's watched it a million times over the last 30 years. That's her first time watching it through. They came off the new series. So we had her watch a few episodes to, that we fear would tie into the new show. And then we started watching the new show. And now we're not quite sure what we're doing. She's not as happy with the new show. So the old episode she doesn't care as much for, but she likes certain episodes. So we're still is this Quantum Leap. Yeah, the Quantum Leap TV show. Oh, we watched the new show. Like yeah. my girlfriend's a massive fan of the original. Yeah, yeah I, I think I the new both. show's okay. Like it's all right yeah. to me. I love you. Michelle likes it, just not as good as the original show to her. But it's not as good as the original. I would but, say. But yeah. well, unfortunately, we don't have Dean Stockwell with us to bring his his charismatic. Where's Scott Bakula? <laughs> uh, they sent him a script for the first episode, and he said he didn't want to do it. Um, partly, I think, it was because he was supposed to have another show coming on. But that did they send him a check as well? Because that would have helped. No, I don't mean the check wasn't big enough. Yeah, yeah, that's um, what I'm thinking. He's, he he just sends it back. He goes, "Try again." <laughs> but you know, I know the showrunners have mentioned that he's he's welcome on. They're they're wanting to try to get him on for an episode or two or something. But at I think they need him. him. I think they need him. Yeah, do something. It's a decent show, but the problem is yeah. there's so much content out there that it's hard. You know. But yeah, for more on that, you can check out yeah Starbright Project where me and the wife and another friend from Australia, Hayden McQueenie, talk about uh, Quantum Leap. And then I got my other shows on the network. Also, if you want, you can call and leave a message. You can call one five five nine five hundred three one eight two. That's the the Headcast voicemail line. Feel free to call and leave us a message. I know Jared's done that once or twice uh, just to do it. Uh, but <laughs> definitely check us out. Like I said, uh, we've got our month. I know I've been off the last few months. So my schedule has been either erratic or not there just due to life. I'm working on getting that straightened out. But, yeah, we've got uh, episodes of G.I. Joe. I'm off- working on my cocaine <laughs> problem. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that. I've been rehab the last couple of, I've been rehab the last couple of months. And, uh, it's been tough. <laughs> I'm on Facebook pissing people off. but Because uh, <laughs> that's what I tend to do. As Jared said, I have a special talent for that. But uh, you go to Facebook jail. I got sent to Facebook jail a couple of months ago, and I didn't even know I was in jail. I was like, "This is the most shit jail of all time." Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was trying to spam the world with a signal of doom ad. 
I'm like, why won't this damn thing work? I go, you're in jail. I'm like, what did I do? And then I thought, well, what didn't I do, really? You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I've been there a couple of times. I, I try to watch it because mainly just because I use my 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 uh, Facebook to promote my show. So I try to watch it, but I don't really watch it. So. <laughs> So yeah, you can look me up on Facebook if you want to be offended by something. Because yeah, as I said, I try to offend a little bit of everybody. But uh, so for the first uh, twelve issues, this will be bi-monthly. The other months we'll cover something else GI Joe related. So definitely be back next month. As I'm not sure what's going to be on, but it'll be something GI Joe related. Until next month, yo, yo Joe. listen to Bravo Team, a supplementary G.I. Joe, a real American head cat show. Be sure to check out our main show, the second Tuesday of the month, G.I. Joe, a real American head cast, where I talk about the G.I. Joe, a real American hero comic book series read by Larry Hama and the G.I. Joe cartoon from the 80s. Be sure to like us on Facebook, check out our Facebook page. Just search for G.I. Joe, a real American headcast, under both Facebook and over on Twitter. Uh, we're also over on Google+. Be sure to rate us and to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And be sure to write in and let us know how we're doing. We love hearing from fans. You can write to us at bravoteam at headspeaks.com. You can also send an MP3 file in, and we'll play that on the air. You can send that to bravoteam at headspeaks.com. And be sure to check out my other great shows on the Headcast Network, Headspeaks, Task Force X, and the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, plus possibly more in the future. Also, be sure to check out the podcasts of my co-hosts. They have some great shows. And if you want to appear on this show, definitely let me know. I'm always up to speaking to new people. You can send me a Facebook message or you can send us an email to bravoteam at headspeaks.com. Be sure to check out our website. The main site is at headspeaks.com. But you can check out the website for this show at gijoe.headspeaks.com. Be sure to join us here monthly for another great podcast. Until next time, Joe's dismissed.